This is the Novel Marketing Podcast. I'm James L. Rubart. I'm Thomas Sumstadt Jr. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. And in this episode, we are going to talk about whether writing contests can be an effective marketing tool, which of course begs the question of whether authors should even enter writing contests. So, Jim, should authors well, enter writing contests? Yeah, I, I know. It's a great <laughs> question because some people say contests are a tremendous marketing tool. Some say they're a waste of time. And like most subjects, there are pros and cons of uh, each one. So let me ask you, Thomas, do you think writing contests work for authors from what you've seen? Because you're working with a lot of authors right now with Enclave. Does it work? So I think it can work. I think for nonfiction authors, it doesn't help a whole lot because people don't buy nonfiction books based off of the quality of the writing, generally speaking. Uh, maybe in the case of a memoir or something uh, humorous, they might. But generally, people buy nonfiction books because uh, it answers a question that they're asking at that moment or helps them in some way. Um, and, and even if a poorly written book that still accomplishes those things, they'll still buy it and read it. You know, when you're building a desk, you know, the instructions from Walmart, even though they're poorly written by someone who didn't know English, you're still reading them very carefully because they're answering the question, how do I build this desk? Uh, for fiction, on the other hand, people really do care about the writing, and it can be a great way of establishing your credibility. So there's kind of different levels of being an author. You have author, then you have award-winning author, then you have best-selling author, then you have New York Times best-selling author, and then you have number one New York Times best-selling author at the top of the list. And so people will only feature one of those on their book. But if you can feature even just the first step, which is award-winning author, it can be a um, big boost for people taking you more seriously. Well, let's go through, why don't we go through pros um, and cons for first for indie authors, and then secondly, we'll go through the pros of traditionally published authors, and then we'll kind of talk about the cons of each. So all you indie authors who don't care about the traditional world, you can just turn off the episode <laughs> halfway through and you can stick to the man. We'll let you know when. <laughs> so, okay, so Thomas, if you're an indie author, um, or maybe you haven't even published your first indie book, What's uh, What are some of the pros of, of that? Well, I think some of the biggest benefits if you're unpublished or just getting started is you're getting feedback and you're getting unbiased feedback. So one of the biggest challenges I see with a lot of authors who are getting started is that they're not getting very useful feedback. It's either gushingly positive and no one's telling them how bad the writing really is or it's overly critical and they're just their spirits are crushed and they can't go on. And so uh, what you'll get the kind of feedback you'll get from a writing conference typically is that balanced feedback from professionals because the other downside of feedback is that it's bad feedback. You it's like your you know your mom's friend's uncle, you know, is telling you you need to have more, you know, descriptions in your book. And it's like, really? Yeah. So you have or to Or they're care. telling you it is ready for Pulitzer, you know, right. prize winning material. Copy and paste into Kindle. It's ready to go right now. It's like, mm, yeah, it probably can be, it can always be better. So uh, getting good feedback is very useful. Uh, and learning how to handle feedback. Right, negative uh, yes. and positive. Start practicing now, children. Yeah, yeah, it's and oftentimes it's 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 easier. Say you're an indie author; it's going to be easier to get feedback from people who truly care about the contest and really are trying to give you constructive criticism than putting it up on Amazon and then you start get hammered by these reviews uh, of people who are strangers. So, learning how to handle negative feedback and critique is is an important part of a contest. That's right. It also helps uh, it be easier to be featured in the media. So in magazines, radio, uh, you know, if you're an award-winning author, this is an award-winning book. Um, no one ever asks which award you won. 
<laughs> um, because writing awards are kind of interchangeable, which isn't really true. Some are a lot easier to win than others, but it doesn't matter. Once you're award winning, you're award winning. Uh, another thing you can find out is see how you compare to other authors in your genre. Now, if it's a very small writing contest, if there's only five entries, that's probably not going to give you great feedback. But if it's a reasonable number of entries and you play second or third or first in that contest, you're saying, okay, uh, I, I, I am getting better at the craft. In, within my peers, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm improving. Another thing it gives you is deadlines. Uh, deadlines are magical things that actually make sure that something gets done. <laughs> Uh, and so most authors, in fact, pretty much all authors, and I would say all unpublished authors really need deadlines if they want to actually move forward in their craft. All right. So that's unpublished. What if you're already published? Uh, do you still need to enter contests? I, it can be helpful. For example, if it's a prestigious award, it can gain you new readers. Some people do go, oh, my gosh, you've won a Christie Award, Jim. I'm going to pick up your book. Another thing is it can give you more clout with editors, agents, and, and, and interviewers. If somebody – I just did an interview the other day, and they wanted to see my bio before they would interview me because it's a national magazine, and they wanted to see if I'd won any awards. And I was able to talk about the number of awards I won, and that was the tipping point for them to do the interview. Um, the other thing is it can be tax deductible, right? This is a business expense to in, uh, it's a business expense to enter a contest. It's a marketing tool so you can write it off your taxes. With that said, we are not CPAs. If you no, do want right. to hear from a real CPA who works specifically with authors, we have an episode on that where we talk with a CPA, but yes, I would agree as a non-CPA, totally tax deductible. <laughs> Thank you for covering, uh, covering our Please do not sue us. Yeah, we I'll are not lawyers. Uh, the, the other thing is it can it gets you, certain awards will get you recognition from your peers. And remember, we say marketing is everything. Marketing is everything. So if it gets you better recognition with a peer and then you go to that peer for an endorsement for a possible future book, that kind of thing, it, 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 it can be a powerful marketing tool, not just to readers, but within other people in the industry, specifically other authors. That's right. And uh, another great benefit of uh, if you're published is that it's a great excuse for another advertising boost. So typically with fiction, there's a big surge in sales when the book first comes out, and then sales tend to diminish over time after that. But winning an award is an excuse to email your newsletter. So, you know, it could do a big push on uh, social media. Uh, a friend of mine, Ben Wolf, uh, recently won a, an award for his book, Blood for Blood. And uh, it was a great opportunity for him to remind everyone about his book. And people who may have been like, I don't know about a Christian vampire book. That sounds kind of weird. Like, well, just won this major award. So maybe it, maybe, I should, maybe it is actually good. And so, you know, that gives them a, an excuse to try it or gives them a little bit more permission to try it, perhaps. All right, Thomas, let's jump to cons if you're an indie author. All right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> the first con is that uh, you're getting feedback. <laughs> Wait right. a minute. I thought this was a pro. So, uh, yeah, feedback sometimes is not the best thing, uh, depending on who the judges are. Yeah, because you, I was part of a contest where I was coordinating, helping coordinate the contest, and this re, the judges basically hammered this book, and the book went on to be a bestseller and win multiple awards, and was not changed from the entry. And so that's one of those things where you have to realize, often contests, uh, the validity of them are based on who the judges are. So find that out. See if it's writers or if it's just you know somebody who likes to read. There's a difference. That's right. Another con is that it, there's a cost. And so there's nothing wrong with spending money on marketing your book. And in, in fact, you need to often spend money to make money. 
so the real con here is that the money you spend on a writing contest is money that could have been spent somewhere else in perhaps a more effective way. So spending money on a contest that you win is generally a good investment, I would say. But uh, it's kind of a gamble because if you don't win the contest, the money that you spent is lost. That doesn't make that mean that it's not still tax deductible. You know, businesses can deduct losses on successes and failures. Um, but uh, it can get expensive, you know, $50 a contest times 10 contests, suddenly it's $500. There's a lot of other things you could do to promote your book uh, for $500, including, say, a book bub, which would move a lot of copies. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, choosing the right contest, which is really a piggyback on checking on feedback, checking out the judges as much as you can. You need to check out the contest as much as you can. Who has won in the past? Who's the sponsor of the contest? What are their credentials? How long have they had the contest going? How many entries did they have? Those are things you need to check out ahead of time because, like Thomas said, you can't enter every contest. For example, Susan May Warren has a contest, and it is, I, I'm involved in it. I'm a, I'm a judge every year for this, and I can say that contest will be extremely valuable because you get multi published authors who are judging this contest, and you give really uh, specific feedback. So just make sure before you enter a contest that you push past the marketing hype and know the details of how it's being conducted. In some contests, we didn't mention this as a pro, but for those of you who want to be traditionally published, some contests, the grand prize is a book contract with a major publisher. Um, so I've seen contests where right. the number one prize is your book is published. And often the books that are published through a contest like that tend to do well and the publisher tends to put marketing money behind them because they've been proven in that way. Um, so I don't know if the Fraser Awards that Susan May Warren does uh, has that, but I know some contests do. Yeah, now, maybe. some contests not only uh, don't have uh, you know a great grand prize of getting published, some contests are scams, really? Is no. There's scams no. on the internet, Jim? Really? Since when? <laughs> So how do you tell a scam contest? Because some contests, they'll quote-unquote do a contest and they'll take, you know, 50 bucks from all, you know, the tens of thousands of people that enter. And, you know, $10,000, 10,000 people times $50 a person, that's a lot of money for you to laugh all the way to the bank at as you don't then review their manuscripts. Another con is you tend to focus on the contest and not the manuscript. By that I mean you end up polishing, polishing, polishing those first, say three chapters or first 15 pages, whatever the contest wants you to send. And this has happened in the past where people will rave about a manuscript and then ask for the whole thing and discover, oh, the first you know, 1,500 words were wonderful and everything else has been neglected. <laughs> there was part of the book that was contest ready and then the rest wasn't. Yeah. So to answer the question, to find a scam contest, one way to protect yourself from that is if the contest is put on by an organization you've heard of or there are authors that you've heard of that are the judges. That's the safest uh, rule of thumb. Thomas, let's ju jump to the cons if you're traditionally published. The first one would be, again, cost, 25 50 bucks to enter the contest. And then usually you have to send in, at this point anyway, you have to send in a hard copy of the book, not electronically. So maybe it's 10 books you're sending in as well. So between cost of ship uh, books, shipping, and then the contest fee, you might be 100 125 bucks in. Now, some publishers will cover the cost. So uh -huh. Enclave Publishing... Yeah. We tend to dominate the contest season. We always get excited every contest season because there's a category specifically for us. Christian speculative fiction typically won award for that, and we're like the the number one publisher, in my very biased opinion, in that category. So we almost always have uh, our authors nominated in those categories, and we often win. It's kind of like um, the a digital 
Film Academy Award, it's like chances are the Pixar film's going to get <laughs> nominated for that because there's not a whole lot of uh, companies that make digital films, a little more now. And so, um, you know, we that's a big deal for us in terms of marketing and credibility. And so uh, that is part of our um, marketing strategies to get our authors featured and submitted and things like that. So depending on your traditional publisher, that may be something that they do for you and you don't have to go out of pocket uh, for it. Another con is um, awards don't always impress that many readers. So if I tell another author I won a Christie Award, they're like, wow, that's awesome, really cool. If I tell a lot of readers I won a Christie Award, they'll go, oh, awesome. Who's Christie? What's a Christie Christie Award? (laughs) What is that? So so really, um, awards, in my opinion, don't sway necessarily that many readers that, oh, I've got to pick up this book. That's right. And being award-winning and being best-selling often have no correlation to each other. So I know some authors who win awards on every one of their books, and um, their books don't sell very well. This happens in the world of TV shows as well. Uh, Tina Fey did an award-winning series that won Emmys every single year, and it was the like 100th most popular show that year. <laughs> it was not a popular show, 30 Rock. And yet it won lots of awards because it was the kind of show that industry insiders liked rather than actual readers and so you don't want to get so distracted with uh, contests that you forget that you're not writing for the contest judges you're ultimately your book is for the people who read it the actual normal folks who go to barnes and noble and amazon and and pay the 15 dollars to to get it and the final con which encompasses every uh both traditionally published and indie published is that everything takes time and if you are doing B, that means you're not doing A. So if contests end up taking a lot of your time when you could be honing your craft or, or building your email list or a hundred other things, um, maybe it's not for you. So bottom line, my recommendation, and Jim may have a different bottom line recommendation, but my recommendation is submit until you win a contest and then stop. <laughs> once you've won one, <laughs> there's no bonus for multiple award winning. No one cares about that. So once you win one, move on. And my advice is probably a little slightly, a little bit different than Thomas in that I would say pick maybe two contests a year and enter those and then you're done. That will not take that much time. Any more than that, probably uh, probably not worth your time to do it. So the key, the key phrase here that we both agree on is move on. <laughs> so this is <laughs> exactly. useful, but this is not going to make or break you. This is one tool in your yeah. tool bag, and it's not your hammer. It's that kind of weird-looking tool that has that one very specific purpose, and it's useful when you need it, and otherwise you don't need it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the ultimate crowdfunding course for authors. So a lot of folks who want to self-publish and want to go independent, they don't have the money they need to hire the professional editors and cover designers to really make their book a professional uh, professional quality. And this is where crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo come in, where you can raise your money from your future readers who are excited about your project. I did this. My book, Courtship in Crisis, was funded on Kickstarter. My readers put up $10,000 to pay for my cover, my editing, and the marketing. I could not have done it without them. And we put together, Mary DeMuth and I, a course to teach you how to do that, how to use Kickstarter to raise funds to make your book a success. And you can find that by going to authormedia.com slash crowdfunding. And we have a course uh, where we go through how to set up the campaign, how to do it successful, uh, successfully. I've done half a dozen campaigns for many, many books on kickstarter and uh they've all funded and this is really does work and so uh you can check that out at authormedia.com 
And remember, if you share this podcast with a friend, just shoot them an email or tell them about this podcast. I will name my cat after you, assuming I ever do get a cat. And Thomas <laughs> promises that he will name his first child after you. So, if, so if why, ever... why are we making these promises? <laughs> so, But in all seriousness, uh, this is how people discover us. iTunes ranks podcasts based off of the number of reviews. So you leaving a review, even a negative review, really helps people discover the podcast and helps us. The more people we have listening, the more of these episodes we'll be putting out. So if you like this podcast and want to see us do more of it, leave us a review. If you want us to get bored and move on, then don't leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast. I'm James L. Rubart with Thomas Umstead Jr. Giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. <laughs>